Welcome to another edition of Wrestling With Myself. I am your ever, ever humble host, Chris. And tonight, like I said last week, we will be discussing, I rewatched WrestleMania 25, the 25th anniversary edition of WrestleMania. Um, we'll, we'll discuss that. Uh, I have, um, we'll go by, we'll go through the matches uh, and uh, per usual after we will also be discussing news and notes of what's been going on lately. Uh, so let's get into it about WrestleMania 25. Um, WrestleMania 25, as you know, came from, uh, was in Houston, Texas at Reliance Stadium, where the Houston Texans play the NFL team. It was April 5th, 2009 is when it came to us live on our uh, on pay-per-view. Uh, they completely sold it out. Uh, they showed that they sold, that it was a sellout card of 72,000, uh, which is amazing. Uh, that's just, you know, to me, WrestleMania belongs in stadiums. You know, they, they, they do it so well in a stadium, which is really kind of odd in my opinion, because, um, Vince McMahon decided to do WrestleMania 20 at Madison Square Garden. You understand why he decided to do WrestleMania 20 at, at Madison Square Garden. The whole theme was where it all, you know, um, uh, beginning where it all began and all that good stuff, which was really cool. You know, nostalgic-wise, you know, it was a great pay-per-view. But that's WrestleMania 20. We are discussing WrestleMania 25. Um, overall, I thought it was an, it, it was good, not great, uh, which I will discuss at length as to why it was good and not great. Um, but let's get into it. Um, the undercard, which was something I did not see on the Peacock network, as I've said before, any and all things I watch old school wrestling is through the Peacock, um, they didn't have the pre-show, which kind of sucks. So I completely missed uh, the uh, the Colognes uh, take on Miz and um, and Morrison for the unified tag team titles, which is which is honestly, in many people's respect, probably one of the better tag team matches out there that doesn't involve Hardy's uh Edge and Christian and uh the Dudley boys in in many people's eyes. So I miss that, but let's start from the very beginning of, of the whole pay-per-view, which I thought was really kind of cool. And <laughs> my apologies. And so, uh, Howard Finkel, um, belting out that Nicole Schlesinger from the Pussycat Dolls was going to be singing America the Beautiful. And I just immediately started cracking up because when you think of Howard Finkel, you do not expect him to say the Pussycat Dolls. But that's just me being an immature idiot. Uh, so we go, so she sings beautiful as usual you know 
anytime they they have that, that's something that I think, in my opinion, is 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 a great tradition that they always do, which is they have a celebrity sing, uh, um, "God Bless America," and um, so the very first match, which was the Money in the Bank match. And as they and and as I've said before, I only watched it. I've only watched most of these pay per views only once when they first came out. So I do not remember a lot of these things. These are fourteen years. You know, there's something that I haven't seen in fourteen years, so I really forgot about it. But the Money in the Bank contestants was CM Punk, Kane, Mark Henry, MVP. Shelton Benjamin, Kofi Kingston, Christian, and the fighting Irishman himself, Finley. Now, here's where I have an issue with this particular match. It's a, the Money in the Bank match in itself is always great. When you get the right people involved in it. My issue is Kane and Mark Henry. Mark Henry never even got up onto the ladder in this match, which is something that I thought was really kind of odd. But when you weigh what you weigh, they're not going to have, they may have like one super ladder for people his for the bigger people. My other issue is Kane. Kane doesn't need this match. Which in my opinion was something that I really didn't like when he won money in the bank when he did do it because it's like you don't really need it. You could just force your way into matches. So, there's that. Again, Kane probably only went up the ladder once or twice. But when you have other people like a Finley Christian who is no stranger to ladder matches, you've got Kofi Kingston who is, again, someone that made his living off of high-flying acts. Shelton Benjamin, who is an amazing athlete in his own right, someone that, in my personal opinion, should have won a Money in the Bank when he was still, when he, you know, I mean, I know he's still wrestling. I shouldn't say it like that. He he's retired or anything, or he doesn't do it anymore. When he was at his best, is when he should have won. He, you know, he's someone that that, in all honesty you know, is someone that, that really could have done great things with what he had. Um, but again, you know, it was a good match. It wasn't great. It was good. Uh, CM Punk, of course, wins it second straight year that he wins the, the, um, the money in the bank. I think he later on, uh, cashes in on a, um, I believe he cashes in on Edge, I believe, after he gets Batista bombed later on in the year. <coughs> My apologies. 
so the next match, which is something again, a another match I had big problems with, and I'm pretty sure just about everyone had problems with it, and that was the Miss WrestleMania Battle Royal. Now, I didn't have a problem with the match in its entirety. My problem is who won it because it basically made the Divas look like a joke. And that was Santina Morella, which is Santino dressed up as a girl. It was ridiculous. It was stupid. It was a joke. And the fact that um, the three-man booth of JR, um, JR the King and uh, what's his name? My apologies. I cannot think for the life of me right now. Um, and uh, Michael Cole, my apologies, Jesus. Uh, my the three of them and Michael and and the king's like, wow, I've never seen a woman with a five o'clock shadow before, and just starts laughing. And you could totally tell, especially because like the final two is Santina and Beth Phoenix, and Beth Phoenix looks pissed when she gets eliminated. Like, honestly, I don't think she knew she was going to be eliminated. I think she thought she was going to win this thing. And she looked pissed. Like, and and then they continued with it because Santina was like, well, you know, like she started, they started having her in re- women's matches. And it was like, it was so bad. You know, and I'm like, I just had like the sick stuff. I just had the sick feeling in my stomach. I was just like, I, I was I supposed to enjoy this match because I was cringing the entire time, and it was so terrible. Um, but that's all I'm gonna say because it was a shit match. I say again, a shit match speaking of shit matches let's go to the next one which is jericho versus a bunch which is jericho versus three hall of famers uh roddy roddy piper um jimmy superfly snooka and ricky the dragon steamboat who would be inducted into the hall of fame the night before. I don't know if I don't know if McMahon didn't take a look and to see on how bad they looked or what he was doing, but Piper looked terrible. Uh it, Superfly looked terrible. The only person that looked good was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And it was just bad. It was just so bad. And and I know that the whole reason, the whole reasoning for it originally was supposed to be Jericho was supposed to take on um 
Mickey Rourke, but that Mickey Rourke uh, people didn't want him to do it because they were just about ready to win. He was just uh, he had just been nominated for an Academy Award, and they had seen what had happened to uh, poor Eddie Murphy because of Norbert and on how terrible that movie was versus what he had done in Dreamgirls. But I digress. Let's not talk about that. Piper comes in first and he looks okay because he's punching and everything. And he tries to clothesline him out off the top, out of the top, through the top rope and over. And he looks bad when he does it. And then on top of it, when he, when Piper goes over, he gets his arm caught between the two ropes and his arm his hand is stuck and it was just like oh my god like this is so terrible and then snooka looked terrible he just looked so he 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 looked every bit of his age and i completely understand look i'm not crapping on them i'm crapping on the fact that they were asked to do this and wwe didn't look at it and say you know what you know what no thanks we're gonna be okay we'll do something else because really it's probably one of the last moments you're gonna see of the of those two in a wrestling ring and do you and is that really what you want your final memory of them to be on the other hand you know steamboat looked like a million bucks and in my personal opinion uh chris jericho this is probably my favorite iteration of him as a heel in wwfe wwf wwe because all every time you see him he's wearing this beautiful three-piece suit he talks slowly i'm gonna beat the crap out of you and he and he talked he talked softer but then yet he also every word out of his mouth you knew he fucking meant it and that was what was so great about his heel run at this particular point in time because he was so methodical he was like three steps ahead of you almost at every instant and it was awesome it really really was um so then after jericho beats the three of them it, it was an elimination match so piper goes first Piper, Piper, um, Piper, uh, gets pinned and then Snooka gets pinned and then, uh, Steamboat gets, uh, uh, gets pinned and Jericho, and Jericho wins. And then, um, Ric Flair, who was in the Legends Corner, he came out and he started to try and beat, he started trying to fight Jericho, but Jericho beat him. And then he finally calls out Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke reluctantly comes to the ring. 
you know, takes a couple of fake punches and then knocks out Jericho. Flair ring, raises uh, Mickey Rourke's arm, and then that's it. And then the next match, and again, it was a an okay match. And I'll just say okay. And that was Matt versus Jeff, Hardy versus Hardy. And and again, I'm just I'm I'm kind of like I'm trying to I'm trying to jog my memory as to why they were facing off against each other. And then I remembered because Jeff was supposed to Jeff was almost about ready to beat Edge. And then uh Matt comes out and swings the um hits uh Jeff with the chair and and allows Edge to win and they break up and the two of them go their separate ways and stuff and um, again it was it was an okay match it wasn't great it wasn't something I was gonna if I was gonna start a wrestling school I wasn't going to sit sick kids down and say this is exactly what you want to do you know i was just like i i kind of was almost bored by it um but uh matt hardy wins he uh he winds up doing a um uh he winds up doing his finisher on a chair and beats jeff and it was just like eh Again, I was just kind of like, I, I, again, I just was kind of like, eh, it just wasn't what I wanted, you know? Um, and then we wind up getting our, we wind up getting the Intercontinental title up for grabs, uh, which was JBL, who had uh, recently won it. Coming back to Texas to face off against uh, Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio was wearing a Joker-inspired mask. He had Joker makeup, and then his um, his ring trunks were um, Joker Joker inspired, which was really kind of cool. And uh, JBL before the match says that he was gonna that he was going to um, put on a clinic and that he was going to just beat the living hell out of Rey Mysterio. And before the ring, uh, uh, before the bell rings, uh, JBL kind of like pushes them and and uh, he slaps them and, and all this. And then they're like, okay, you know, are you ready? And JBL's like, ring the bell. And, and then uh, Ray comes out swinging and he just kind of, he... He does a kick, kick to the leg, pushes J- uh, JBL to the second rope, does the 619, and then does kind of like a frog splash, one, two, three. He's the new Intercontinental t- t- Champion. And JBL's just sitting there just completely in shock. He just lost, and everyone's cheering, and then he he utters the words that I don't think anybody was really expecting, which is him um, announcing that he had quit. He was walking away. And so he heads up the ramp, and he's pissed, and he's like, you're going to miss me. And and everyone starts singing, na-na-na, 
uh, hey, hey, goodbye, and everyone's just like, see you later. Like, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you, because we don't fucking care anymore. So that was kind of weird. Um, but here comes the uh, what I would consider one of the best not best i shouldn't say best but it was a really good match and this is the first of two between undertaker and the heartbreak kid Shawn michaels and it was a really good match as i said um a lot of false finishes you could totally tell like I think I counted. I think HBK hit him with two. I think he hit him with three. Uh, I think he hit him with three sweet chin musics. And then I think Undertaker hit him with two last rides. I think he had him up for the Tombstone Pile Driver. Uh, I think he had him up like two or three times and he was able to escape. And I think he hit him twice. One for the two and a half and then and then the final one for the one, two, three. But it was such a great match. It was so um, back and forth. And, and I love the entrances because HBK comes from the heavens down. And he's wearing a white cowboy hat and a white duster jacket. And it was so cool because you just see, you know, you hear this heavenly music as he's ascending from the heavens, as he comes down. And then you just see all this smoke. And then all of a sudden, he comes out of the, he comes from the, from the smoke sans cowboy hat and white duster jacket and it's just him in his regular clothes and he just comes out which was really cool and then undertaker comes out and he comes up from above from hell and i always enjoyed that particular type of um entrance from him is when he's from when he's down at the bottom and then they raise them up through that elevator which is really really cool but it was such a great match you have to re if you have the peacock network or if you are from out of states you still have the wwe network by all means please go out and look for it because it is such a great match um And that's really all I have to say about it. Because it was such a great match. You, I, I cannot put into words on how great that match was. Because it was so great. It really was. And then we get Cena versus Edge versus Big Show. And it, it really, it really should have just been Cena versus Edge. In my personal opinion. Um, I can understand why they decided to to let Big Show in this match because I originally it was supposed to be Edge versus Big Show, and then Cena blackmails uh, Vicky Guerrero into putting him into the into the match. 
into to becoming a, a triple threat match. And, it, you know, again, really good. It wasn't great. Um, it was just good. It was a good, it, it was a good, clean match for Cena. Uh, you know, Edge doing everything he can to try and win it. Because uh, he still holds the title at this particular point in time. Um, there's this one. There's this one spot that I thought was really kind of funny when he tries to spear, when Edge tries to spear Big Show, into the crowd, and the way they do it is Edge kind of moves the the steps uh, away from the from the ring so that when he jumps. He can kind of like spear him, but he doesn't actually kind of like spear him. He kind of just like lands on on Big Show, and then Big Show just kind of like flops on. But it was still a decent. It was still a pretty decent uh, thing. And then the finish of this match is Cena is about ready to. Cena puts Big Show and Edge on his shoulders, and it looks like he's about ready to. Uh, he's about ready to do the attitude adjust, adjustment on both of them, but Edge is able to kind of get away from him. Is able to slide off. He he um edit, he does the AA on uh, on Big Show, and then uh, Edge is about ready to do something. He gets caught with a AA, on, and he winds up getting pinned for the uh they pin, he pins Big Show for the win. For the one, two, three, John Cena is your champion again. And then we get to the main event. And again, this might be probably one of my favorite iterations of of, um, Randy Orton. Because Randy Orton's got the shaved head. That and also he's got a little bit more of a thinner physique at this particular point in time. He's still muscular, but he's not as muscular as he usually is. It's probably one of my it's one of my favorite iterations of him, just because it shows because he looks more and more like a snake, and which is a a, a very um, which is kind of funny because. They kind of call him the Viper. And um, this one also has, uh, because he has his own, uh, he has his own little faction, uh, which is Legacy, which is Ted DiBiase Jr. and Cody Rhodes. And we can go into uh, people that I, I, wrestlers that I feel like wasn't not not so much given a fair shot but someone that if given um if they were able to take the shot that they were given could have done something and that is totally Ted DiBiase Jr. but I digress um so just before the match Triple H is walking around he's about ready to enter he's about ready to to go to gorilla to the gorilla position and he bumps into um, McMahon and Shane. 
and kind of just gives them that look like I'll take care of this. I'm I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take care of this family problem that we have. And it was, and again, as I said before, it was a good match. I I feel like that's what I'm saying about a lot of these matches. They're good, not great. And and in this particular match, Vicky Guerrero proclaims that if the champion gets counted out or gets disqualified, he loses the title. And I completely feel like that's something that they should totally do no matter what, especially with like, especially like with the big four pay-per-views or pay-per-views in general, really, that you can't get counted out. You, if you get counted out or disqualified, you lose the title. But it, it was a good match. Um, uh, Triple H gives them gives them like a couple of um, gives them a couple of um, uh, pedigrees and stuff. Um, give me one moment. I need to stop the recording, and I will be right back. Give me one moment. Okay, and I'm back. Um, you know, back and forth. Uh, I think Triple H gives him a couple pedigrees. Uh, Randy Orton does a couple of um, RKOs. And um, the finish is kind of a wonky finish because uh, there's a referee bump. Randy Orton kind of... Sh- uh, Ra- uh, Randy Orton it gets squished with the ref. And then, um, and then right after Randy kind of grabs Triple H and kind of just uh, shoves him into the ref, and then the referee's completely out. And then um, he's about ready. He goes and slides out and grabs a sledgehammer. And as he's as he's trying to get back into the ring, he gets caught on something, and that's when Triple H winds up punting uh, Randy Orton in the head, and then Randy Orton is kind of dazed, and then that's when Triple H grabs the the sledgehammer, hits him. And then winds up picking up his carcass, winds up picking up Randy Orton's carcass, does a pedigree, and then the referee finally comes to for the one, two, three, Triple H retains. So all in all, it was a good WrestleMania, not great. It could have been great if they had done a few things. But they didn't. So I would probably, on a scale of 1 to 5, I'd give it about a 3. Good, not great. So that was WrestleMania 25. Let's get into news and notes. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, I'm pretty sure you have, because you'll more than likely, uh, most people will probably be listening over the weekend or up until... But we are definitely going to be getting a triple threat match for the for the Intercontinental title between Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, and Gunther. 
which I completely get. I completely love. Um, we also got uh, the resolution between KO and uh, and Sami Zayn, which was really kind of cool. Uh, Cody Rhodes kind of facilitates that, which was great. Definitely watch that opening segment and just watch throughout the entire thing. It was really, really good. Um, all in all, I think, as I've said before, this it it the them getting back together is exactly what they didn't need. If they could have just kept the two of them apart, you know, they would have, you know, I think this is kind of like the first, it's the first domino in a domino effect of the bloodline crumbling down, at least at, at least the iteration that it is right now. As I've said before, I've said this on a couple of occasions in past in past podcasts, but this is where I'm feeling. I feel like night one, I don't think it's gonna, I, I think the best way to do it is not let it headline night one, but somehow in the middle of night one and just let the Usos lose the titles. They're gonna lose. And then in and then in between matches, Roman's gonna be there and Roman's gonna get pissed because you had one job. And that was to take care of this of the Sami Zayn KO problem. And now they have your titles. And he's going to say something or he's going to do something. And I think, honestly, that's exactly where it's going to come from. I think he's going to say the wrong thing to, to Jay. And Jay's going to snap. Jay is then going to, I don't think he's going to cost, I don't think that it's going to be something that he does to cost Roman the title. But I do think Jay and Jimmy are going to have had enough that the two of them are aligned together for the first time where they don't need, they don't feel like they need Roman anymore, that they're going to finally see the light. And if the rumors are true, as a lot of people have said, that Solo Sokoa could be in line for a... um. Uh, for the uh, uh, for the um, not main uh, event, but that he could possibly get either the U.S. or he could get the uh, Intercontinental. I do kind of feel like he's probably going to go to Raw. If I'm not, um, if I'm being completely honest, I think that that's where they could put him, and he could immediately kind of go and take. Um, a shot at the U.S. title. And I think that's where you could possibly go with it. But that's just my opinion. 
Um, I've been thinking long and hard about what I'm going to talk about next, and this is exactly what I'm talking. This is exactly what I'm going to be talking about. If you, if you know, you know about what I'm going to talk about next, and that is that AEW, they're gonna they're on the potential of having a mass exit at the beginning of 2024, meaning that MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega are all, they're all, they're, all their contracts are going to be up. Kenny Omega, I believe, is gonna, his contract is up in October or November because they put more time on him because of his injuries plus also the, um, his recent suspension. So now, now what I'm saying though is that if you remember correctly, MJF last year kept talking about how that 2024 there was going to be that he was going to finally be able to negotiate with WWE. Here's where I'm at now with this. I don't think he's going to go to WWE, okay? Because I believe that Omega and the Young Bucks are going to sign with WWE. I think they're going to sign for a two, maybe three-year deal. They're going to try and get their main event. They're going to get their main event status. They're going to get their money. They're going to get a... They're going to get a Cody Rhodes type deal where they're able to kind of just do what they want to do. You know what I mean? And by doing so, they're going to be able to have, because I think the Young Bucks can have a, um, they have a couple years left where they can still be a great tag team. And by that, I mean they can face the Usos, they can face the new day they can face what they can omega could finally have omega could um kenny omega could have his matches with cody uh with finn balor um with everybody that's where i kind of feel i don't think mjf is going to go to wwe because i don't think he wants to play the fourth fiddle Okay. Now, if he were to sign, the only way he signs with WWE is if they don't sign because then he could still be he can be the top and in. But if he signs with WWE, the shit that he that he does now will not fly. He will be a much more toned down version. He's not going to be the same a-hole that he is on AEW. Because because Tony Khan is allowing him to do all this stuff because it's the shock factor of what is he going to fucking say this week, you know? But, because in my personal opinion, he is too much of an arrogant prick to play the fourth banana. 
he wants to be number one. And he's not going to sign if he knows that he's going to, that he doesn't get the accolades. Because more people are going to be more excited about Omega than him. And he knows it. He knows it. And everybody else knows it. That and also, I don't think he's really going to, that and also, it all really depends on what's going to happen this summer when they have to put, when they, when we find out who or if they actually sell. Because I don't think that's going to happen, as I've said before. Um, but that's something I've been wanting to talk about and I've been trying to figure out the right way of saying it, but, you know, you know me, I'm not exactly a wordsmith, so I say what I say and I just do what I do. Um, I still believe that Roman Reigns is going to take the time off after WrestleMania. That's the only reason why I am so high on Cody Rhodes finally being uh, being the one to take down him for the titles because I believe because I I know I've read it and I haven't read anything else about it but I had read um I think about a month ago that that it was on the books that he was going to take a few months off and it would completely make sense for him to take a few months off because then he could take um, he can take all the way up until the rest of the summer and then come back for um, SummerSlam, which is, you know, which would be a, a great um, idea, in my opinion. Um, it, it's because probably within the week we'll find out who's um who's wrestling who when either saturday or sunday so that's going to be interesting i'm also i'm also probably uh i'm probably just going to do one show sunday after wrestlemania i'm not going to do something saturday and sunday and then and we'll ju I'll just do like a whole thing on Sunday about WrestleMania. So that podcast might be probably one of the longest I've done. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, that's going to be it for me tonight. Um, no watch along next week. We're just going to do a regular show. Uh, probably discuss what they're going to do um, that Saturday and Sunday. Um. Oh, there's one other thing, and that's about the uh the Bellas or the Garcia twins. There's a lot of talk that because they changed their name from the Bella twins to the Garcia twins, a lot of smoke about them maybe joining AEW if they do. That would be very, very interesting for the women's division for them. But that's all I got. 
it, it'd be very, very interesting. Oh, and I'm also really looking forward to when Ray finally puts his hands on Dominic, which more than likely is going to be at WrestleMania, because I think that's how it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a full-on match. I have a feeling that Dominic is going to do something, and then we'll get something where Dominic finally, where I think Dominic's going to ruin his uh his dad's um uh, uh WrestleMania uh moment and then he's just gonna beat the living you know what out of him. Um that's gonna be it for me tonight. Next week um our regular show. So I will talk to you all then. Bye.